0: We hope that you will subscribe and we'll share our program with others. Now, we take you to the service of the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ.
1: To those of you that are joining us online, and we do have a good number that joins us online, and we uh, don't always acknowledge your presence, uh, but thank you for joining us this morning. Uh, some of you are unable to just be with us, and you join us in this way. Uh, if you are joining us and... and uh, checking us out and kind of seeing what we're about through this particular avenue, we are grateful for that, and we hope that you will um, uh, come and, and be with us in person. Uh, we would love to have you uh, with us in person as well. Uh, just just one more thing, as we kind of, uh, as uh, an elder of mine once said, he said uh, he said I'm real good with commercials before I preach. So one more commercial. Uh, Alyssa Hood, I believe, has finished her marathon. Today, uh, it would, she would have finished up around 8 o'clock our time. They would have started around 2 o'clock this morning our time, and that is a, a big accomplishment for Alyssa, and we are proud of her and, and celebrate with her. There's not many of us that would volunteer to run 26 miles. Anybody else would just volunteer to do it just for fun? Now, I would run for 26, Will, you would for fun, right? Just for fun, though, right? Just for fun, yeah. Yeah. Um, and we would all come watch Will run 26 miles for fun. That would We would all go to Berlin. Let's sign him up. We're ready to go. R- 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 Riley, you'll, you'll be on that trip, won't you? So when you see Alyssa when she gets back, make sure to congratulate her and Kevin. I'm not sure what Kevin did over there. I know he didn't run, so um, eat. Okay, so there's, there's a lot of different types of marathons. You can eat for 26 miles, you know, all kinds of good stuff. But uh, if Alyssa is watching, if y'all are watching today at some point, congratulations. And your church family is very proud of you. Uh, let's go to God in prayer, and then we will begin our time of study. God, we thank you for a chance to be in your presence this morning. We thank you for the opportunity to gather together, to gather around your table and commune with one another in spirit and in truth and in remembrance this morning of your great sacrifice for us, God. We are so grateful for, for Jesus and his life, his death, his resurrection, God. And the fact that we get to come together on this day and remember that, uh, to sing praises to you, uh, to pray to you, to read from your word, uh, to give to you, God. We're grateful for the opportunity to be able to study your word today, God. We pray that your spirit will fill our hearts, will move us and convict us, God, as we study this morning. We pray that we will walk away uplifted from being together. It's in your son's name we pray, amen. All right. Let's open up to back to the first chapter of the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter one, where we are uh, beginning, I guess, in our second lesson. Uh, under the idea of wake up. How many of you have trouble waking up in the mornings? Any of you have trouble waking up in the mornings? A few of you do. Uh, Here in a couple of weeks, we're going to uh, have the time change, and what is it? We fall back, so we get an extra hour of sleep that morning. And really, when you get an extra hour of sleep or some extra sleep, uh, sometimes Sometimes you look forward to it, right? But sometimes extra sleep actually makes you feel worse. Anybody do that? You get, you get to sleep a little bit longer and you wake up and you're like, man, I'm just, I should have just gotten up. How many of you are like me that even on Saturday when you're looking forward to, hey, I have nothing going on today, I get to sleep in, your body still just wakes up at that normal time and you're just laying there like, what in the world? Like, well, I just, wanted to, I just wanted to sleep this morning. Sometimes we're that way in our faith. Sometimes we struggle with waking up. I know I've got something to accomplish. I know I've got something I need to do. I know I've got something that I need to be about and I need to focus on and to do that, I need to get going. But man, sometimes even in our faith, even in our walk with God, it's hard to wake up and get going. And that's what we're going to look at through the book of Ephesians is understanding what God has done for us on on a very spiritual, in a very spiritual way. Uh, The the, the idea of the spiritual realm and how God has blessed us in that way is more prevalent in the book of Ephesians than any other book in Scripture. Outside of the book of Revelation, we have a greater snapshot of the spiritual realm in Ephesians than we do anywhere else in Scripture. And so we look at it, and we think about it, and we pray about it, and we wake up. That's our goal, is to wake up in a powerful way as we go through this particular book together. So Ephesians chapter 1, our text actually will be um, verses 7 through 10. If you want to read on the screen, you can. I encourage you to take your Bible out and read from it as well. (coughs) Ephesians chapter 1, and we will start in verse 7 together. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sin in accordance with the riches of God's grace that He lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made, known to, he made known to us the mystery of His will according to His good pleasure which He purposed in Christ Jesus to be put into effect when the time reaches their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. So last week we started in the first couple of verses of this and we talked about the idea that through God, through Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, we have been chosen. Particularly through God that God has chosen us to be part of this family. He has chosen us to to be forgiven, he has chosen us in a powerful way to be included in the kingdom. And he picks up here in this next section of verses, and he shifts the focus from God the Father, and he says that was what God the Father did, and then to accomplish that, God the Son, or Jesus, he comes in, and his part of the process is the part of redemption. Now, we've just come out of a story of Ruth, right? And part of Ruth, or really the idea of Ruth, is all about redemption, It's all about redemption. It's about that idea that my relationship with you is too important to let it stay in a bad place. That was kind of our definition or understanding of redemption. And that idea is still true in a very powerful way as we look at this particular passage today. But I want us to dig a little bit deeper for just a minute to try to understand what this idea of redemption really does to us. And how it really affects us. So we 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 jump into verse 7 and he says, In him we have redemption through his blood. Let's 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 jump at that through his blood for just a moment. Let's let's focus on this phrase for just a second. Because I think it's so important for us to realize that our redemption, our salvation, our being chosen, the grace that we get from God, that we experience, the Holy Spirit that we are going to talk about next week, all is possible because of the blood of Jesus. It's all possible because of the blood of Jesus. It all happened and came to its culmination at one moment, and that was on the cross. From the cross to three days later, to the resurrection of Jesus, we find the culmination of everything that we're talking about. But one of the things that I think is so important for us to remember is that we all need the cross. And at the foot of the cross, the ground is level. When we come to the cross and we bow before Jesus and we worship Jesus and we pray to Jesus and we sing to Jesus and we sing to God and we worship the Holy Spirit, when we worship God, and we're at the cross in that spiritual sense, we need to understand that we're all on an even playing field. That nobody is better, nobody is worse. We are all in need of the redemptive power of the blood of Jesus. Can you say amen to that? We are all in need of that. And he reminds us that, of that in this passage, that we have redemption, we have someone who looks at us and says, my relationship with you is too important for me to leave it undone, for me to leave it in a bad spot, for me to let you be in a bad place. Now, the, the original idea of redeemed comes from the idea of being a slave in that you are a slave to the, to, 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 a, to a master, you are a slave to a family, and, and someone comes in and says, I'm not going to allow you to be a slave anymore, there's nothing that you can do to not be a slave, but I'm going to come in and I'm going to buy your freedom. Not buy you, I'm going to purchase your freedom and say you are no longer under the bondage of this. And that's something that really and truly Man, that's something that's so foreign to us. The idea of slavery in our country and around the world for us is is an issue of history in many ways. We read about it, we watch movies about it, but none of us have ever really experienced it. And so it's hard for us to understand that, that when Scripture talks about sin, a lot of times it talks about sin in the idea of we are slaves to sin. That sin and Satan, if we allow it, can have so much control of our life that it controls us and we don't control it. But all of us want to think that I just control my life. But the truth is that if we're not careful, sin can creep in. Sin very rarely just shows up and blows the doors down. That's not how Satan works. Satan's more subtle than that. Satan's a lot more subtle than that. It starts in a small way. James talks about this. He talks about sin, you know, being something that starts in your heart. It's it's, it's a desire. It's a temptation. And it grows and it grows and it grows. But it grows little by little by little. You know, we've, we've celebrated Colin's 13th birthday this weekend. And of course, all that we think about is, is, you know, we look at it and we're like, how in the world did she grow up so fast, right? How in the world did she grow up so fast? Our, our, Our memories are so fond of her when, oh, she was little bitty. I don't have big hands. There's a couple of pictures. I don't have big hands at all. But there are some pictures of me holding Collins that make my hands look huge because she was that little. She didn't come out a 13-year-old, thank goodness. I don't know if our nerves could have handled it. She came out a baby. Sin does the same thing. It comes into your life small, and it grows, and it grows, and it grows. And here's the funny thing. It can grow to the point, and in a way, that it's so subtle we get used to it. Not only do we get used to it, we get comfortable with it. And we look around and we go, this just feels normal. And that's when sin is in control. That's when you become a slave, is when you look at your sin and you go, this is normal. I enjoy living in this. I don't have a problem with this. And you just give up trying to get out of it. I was reading an article yesterday about Alcatraz. And it's one of those, you know, sponsored articles that shows up on social media. You ever got into one of those you're like, it catches you, you know, clickbait. It catches you with a catchy title, and you want to figure out what they're actually talking about. But what they're actually talking about is not till the very end of the article, and like you've spent ten minutes trying to read it at that point because of all the ads and everything. And I'm reading this about these four guys that tried to escape Alcatraz. Well, three of them, three of them did, uh, but the, the three guys that that escaped, there was four of them. There was four of them, and they uh, they they had spent months and months and months digging holes in their little air vent to get out. Well, the ninth they were going to try to escape, and this would be exactly what happened to me, the, the fourth guy realized something. You know what he realized? It's the best part of the story. His hole was too small. He couldn't fit, it. He couldn't fit through it. No matter how hard they tugged on him, no matter, no matter how hard they jerked, no matter how hard he tried to wiggle, he just couldn't get out. And, and so you know what he decided to do? He decided to just stay put. And and in interviews later, he said, you know, it really wasn't that bad. You know, one of the things that he enjoyed the most about Alcatraz, and this was the only state or the only big penitentiary that had this at the time, he enjoyed it so much because it had hot showers. No other penitentiaries in the country had hot showers, but Alcatraz did. They tried to make the prison, now, now think about this, they tried to make the prison as comfortable as they could for one reason. You know what that was? To make people not want to escape. To realize that it's more effort to try to get away than it is to just live in prison. And Satan and sin are the same way. He tries to make our sin so comfortable that I look at it and go, it will take too much effort to fit through the hole to get out. I'm better off just staying here. But Jesus comes in and he says, Here's the best part. I've paid your price. Don't worry about the little hole. I'm just going to open the door and you get to walk out. That's what the redemption of Jesus' blood does for us. It comes in and he says, just follow me. Just do what I ask you to do. Understand, the wages of your sin is what? Death. But the gift of God is eternal life. Through Jesus Christ. And so the question becomes, how do I get into that eternal life? How do I, how do I go from this side to that side? How do I grab the redemption of Jesus? How do I live in his blood? And Jesus himself said it very plainly. He said, if you believe in me and are baptized, you will be saved. If you believe in Jesus and you are baptized, he says, you get my forgiveness. You get my grace. You get my redemption. So let me ask you this morning. Are you a slave? Are you living in sin? And have you been living in sin to the point that it's just comfortable? You can sit in these pews every day, every week, every Sunday, every Wednesday, as often as you want, and still be comfortable with sin. Being in the room doesn't necessarily always make you uncomfortable with sin. Hopefully, we pray about it all the time, the Holy Spirit comes in and will convict you of that, but my question to you this morning is to be real with it and ask yourself, am I comfortable with sin? Because if so, something needs to change. You need to live in a different direction. That direction is in a redemptive relationship through the blood of Jesus so that you can have that forgiveness. But Jesus says, I'm here to give that to you. Jesus is here to free you this morning with his blood. And if that's where you are and that's what you need, then I hope you take him up on that offer. He's going to go on, though. Let's read it again and keep going to the next section. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin, in accordance with the riches of God's what? Grace that he lavished on us. That's the next idea that I want us to think about. The riches of God's grace. So on Sunday nights, And with the way our schedule is right now, it's kind of the middle two Sunday nights of the month. We've started a series in the book of Romans, and we're talking about grace. And I encourage you on those Sunday nights to come be a part of that conversation because I feel like... Grace is a very misunderstood thing in the scriptures. That when we talk about grace, we think about living a life. Sometimes, sometimes people think that, well, he just believes in God's grace. He can just do whatever he wants to and God's going to take care of him. That's not grace. That's a very wrong uh, understanding of grace. And, um, but at the same time, grace is not something that you earn. Grace is not something that you can get from God by doing certain things. Grace is something that is just given to you. And we struggle with that idea because nothing in life is free, all right? For starters, nothing in life is free. That's what we've always been taught. That's what we all believe in. We're going to have a fellowship meal here in a little bit. And there are some of you that didn't bring food this morning. And you're going to stay and eat. And that's okay. I want you to stay and eat. But in order for you to do that, someone someone had to what? Someone had to pay for it. Someone had to bring the food, right? And we know going in, not everything's free. If you didn't bring food, really, please stay. I'll say like I always do. I'll go last so that you can stay and eat, okay? So trust me, I'm not going to go hungry. I'll find something. Everything costs. The other idea is this. And this is think we struggle with grace in this way. If I do something wrong, I should be punished, right? If I do something wrong, I should be punished. But then I think there's a third idea, and I read this on somebody's social media page yesterday, and I thought it was interesting. They were interviewing some kids, and this kid said, I'm scared of my parents because they always get mad at me when I mess up, even when it was a mistake. I thought, man, that's, that's powerful. Even when it was a what? Mistake. When I messed up and I didn't mean to. And I think we carry that idea sometimes, that I don't wake up in the morning and go, Today, I'm going to mess up. Today, I'm going to make all the big mistakes. That's my plan for the day. most Do any of you wake up that way and go, today, I'm just going to make all of them? You know, now teachers, So I'm sure you think some of the kids wake up that way in the morning and they're just like, we're just going to mess everything up. And that's, you know, their goal is to mess your day up. You may feel that way sometimes, but I promise they didn't wake up that way and just go, I'm going to make today terrible. And I think we're so afraid of God sometimes because we're afraid because we've been told nothing's free. If I do something wrong, I'm going to get in trouble. I'm going to be punished for it. And God doesn't understand that I'm trying, but man, I messed up and it was a mistake. It was an accident, God. I didn't, re- I, that wasn't what I was trying to do, but I got wrapped up in the middle of it and, and, and I just messed up. And I'm sorry, but, but I don't think God will forgive me. I, I'm scared of God. And that's where our understanding of grace is wrong. When we are a child of God, we need to understand, first and foremost, God chose us. He said, I want you to be part of my family. I want you to be my son. I want you to be my daughter. Secondly, when I'm a child of God, I live in the redemptive, forgiving blood of Jesus. And he knows I'm going to mess up. But as long as I walk in the light as he is in the light, I have fellowship with him. And I have forgiveness. And so I should not be afraid of God if I'm walking in the light. You're never going to walk in the light perfectly. You're going to fall. You're going to stumble. You're going to sin. But when you do, don't be afraid of God. Sometimes we look at God like the principal. How many of you ever got called to the principal's office? For real. How many of you got called to the principal's office? Randy Kilpatrick. Randy, did you ever get called to the principal's office that you weren't scared that you were fixing to get in trouble? Or did you just know you were getting in trouble? You know, this is grace. This is grace. Grace is getting called to the principal's office even though you've done something wrong and know you're not going to get in trouble. You don't dread it. You don't dread it. A couple of months ago, after services, we um, we went to uh, Guthrie's with Jesse and Caleb and and Tammy. And after uh, lunch, Vance goes, "Not every kid gets to eat lunch with the principal." And I'm like, "That'll split both ways, buddy. Like, that can play to your favor, but that can come back to bite you too, right?" But that's the idea of grace. The idea of grace is, guess what? We communed in a meal with God this morning. And I don't need to be afraid of him. That when my name is called by God for something that I've messed up, understand, I'm going to sit down with the guy that I had the Lord's Supper with, who said, I want you to come to my table and sit down and eat with me. Now, yes, they yes, there can be correction. Yes, there can be discipline. But it's never done out of anger. It's done out of love. And it's done with grace. Of him saying, I understand you messed up. I understand it was a mistake. Let's just do better. And let me help you do better. That's what he says. He says, you have this grace. And not just a little bit of it. What's the, the, the third word there? That he what? What's that word? The L word. Say it lavished that he just it's, it's it's the idea of just the most amazing thing it's just it's like the idea of the, the you walk into a restaurant it's the most amazing meal sitting in front of you You walk into the store and it's the most amazing wardrobes it's the best and it's just yours and you get to keep getting it and keep getting it and keep getting it and keep getting it He just lavishes on us god's grace never runs out god's grace never runs out now you can put yourself in a situation where you step yourself out of it. But that's on you, not God. But understand that through his redemptive blood and the forgiveness, it puts us in a relationship with the amazing grace of God. Then we go into verse 9. And this will wrap us up very quickly. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he proposed or uh, which he purposed rather in Christ to, uh, to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. Now, the mystery of his will, we're going to get into that later into the book. So we're not going to dig too deep into that today. But what I want you to focus on in this idea is that through Jesus, through Jesus, everything works out. Through Jesus, everything works out. Has there been a day this week where you have felt like your life is maybe completely disorganized, maybe completely in disarray, maybe not even just this week, just maybe here recently, that no matter how hard you try to organize the schedule, to straighten up this, to get this fixed, to get this moving in this direction, that no matter how hard you try, Everything falls apart. You ever had those moments in your life? No matter how hard you try, no matter how hard you try to fix it, all it just, it just fell apart. Here's the thing I want you to understand this morning. Jesus is in control. Jesus is in control. And if you're living in his grace, if you're living in his relationship, if you're living in his blood and in his redemptiveness, guess what? He has you. He's got you. Have you ever thought that maybe the reason you're living a moment in your life of disarray is because God wants you to? God wants you to learn something. God's trying to teach you something. God's trying to get you to understand something, and you're not going to understand it until you realize, I have no control. Or you don't, you're not going to realize it until you quit looking at the storm and look at Jesus. Jesus. Maybe you having moments of craziness in your life because that's exactly where God needs you to be at that moment to teach you what he's trying to teach you. So don't always push back against it. Sometimes embrace the crazy. Sometimes embrace the disorder. Sometimes embrace the disarray and be like, okay, God, is this you? Because it's not, it's not always gonna be you, okay? It's not always going to be your own personal issues. Maybe God's brought that into your life to get your attention, to teach you something. So maybe sometimes just go, okay, let's do it. Let's do crazy for a little while. Let's do fly by the seat of our pants for a little while. Let's, let, 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 let's live this, and, and let's, just, let's just lean into Jesus a little bit harder through it. And see if he has a message for us. See if he has an understanding for us. See if he has a lesson for us through this. Because what I understand, what I know, what I can be assured of is that Jesus is in control. Amen? You don't believe that? It's hard to believe that, isn't it? It's hard to believe that Jesus is in control when our world feels like it's turned upside down. It's hard to believe that Jesus is in control because I can't fix it sometimes. But understand that this morning, that Jesus, Jesus has you in his hand. He has you in a family surrounding you with people that love you, that no matter how out of control, this organized, turned upside down your life gets, you have a soft place to land. You have a... a not scary place to land. You have a judgment-free place to land. You have a home and a family to land into. So let Jesus have that control in your life and just turn it over to him. Let him be God. Quit trying to be God. Let him be God and wake up and see that he is all that you need. Let's close with a word of prayer together. God, we thank you for these words from Paul. We know that Paul lived a life that felt very out of control. He felt he, he, he lived a life that involved prison and involved shipwrecks and uh, involved danger, trying to serve you. He was run out of places. God, his life, his life was crazy. But he knew, he knew that he was in your hands. He knew that he had your grace. He knew that you had freed him and had fought for him and had opened up the door in his life so that he could walk out of sin and walk into an eternal life relationship with you. Help us to wake up to that same realization this morning, God. That all those things that we see in the life of Paul played out for us to read about can happen for us as well. Help us to wake up to Jesus, to give in to him, to search for him, to strive after him, to live in him and with him every single day. It's in your son's name we pray,
0: amen. Thou art giving and forgiving, ever-blessing, ever-blessed. Thank you again for joining us, and please consider subscribing to our YouTube channel or our podcast. We can be found on Apple Podcasts or any other podcast provider. Also, leave us a five-star review, which will greatly assist in getting the message of God's love and salvation to others. You can also follow us on Facebook. Lift us to the joy divine. Instagram. Mortals join the mighty chorus which and Twitter. The morning stars began for the love. Be is sure to join us again. And until then, brother, remember to love, love like Jesus. Man to man ever